Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Hey. Hi. 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 Um, Sarah, I have a couple of announcements to share with you. Oh, are we just jumping right into the announcements? I'm so excited. We are right away, right off the top. I have some some new patrons because our listeners are amazing and they want to support us. So a couple of quick shout outs. We have Sunday. Hi, Sunday. Love that name. (laughs) Such an amazing name. When I saw that pop up on our our list, I was like, what an incredible name. Welcome. Very cool. We also have Liz. Hello, Liz. Welcome to Patreon and thank you. Hi, Liz. Um, There's also Heath. Hi. Hello, Heath. Welcome. Oh, hello, Heath. I haven't heard that name in ages. What a lovely name. name. Yeah, our patrons have great names, that's for sure. I know. We also have Ashley. Hi. Welcome. Thank you, Ashley. Hello, Ashley, and thank you. And last but definitely not least, our patron, Amanda, edited their pledge to $25 a month, which is the Outer Darkness level, the very oh. high level. <laughs> Shit, Amanda, you are about to get crunk with us in Outer Darkness. Ooh, Welcome. That is the place to be, and we are so absolutely grateful. Can't, just can't thank you all enough, truly. No, thank you. We love the support, and we have just had so many amazing messages on Patreon as well. And again, if you guys, I, I think we say it recently for the past few episodes, but Katie is doing an amazing job covering Under the Banner of Heaven on Patreon. So if you guys are watching the show and you're interested, go check it out. I haven't been able to listen or watch anything because I'm waiting on stupid Hulu <laughs> to release it so I can watch it because no VPN works for me. Um, anyway, so but I've been seeing the comments coming in, and you guys are loving those episodes, <laughs> so go check it out. It looks like a, a lot, lot of fun. fun. Yeah, thank you, Sarah, for shouting <laughs> me out. That was very nice. <laughs> well, speaking of Patreon and Outer Darkness, we have a very special guest today, also a member of Outer Darkness, and our special guest is Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hey. <laughs> We are so happy to have you on and to tell your story. Uh, Jeff was just telling us that he's listened to all of our episodes in about a year. And I just, uh, we're floored. We're like, how could you listen to us that much? (laughs) Even we're annoyed by our own selves. (laughs) But thank you. It's very nice. And we're so happy to have you on. (laughs) I may not be able to listen to this episode because I can't stand my own voice. No, we all say that. And then, yeah, people listen and they they love our voices and they're going to love yours. And also, listeners, Jeff had his camera on for two hot seconds before we were like, we don't record with a camera. And you have an amazing beard. Well, yeah. On your ginger. Can I say Uh, ginger? I don't mean it in a negative way. I love ginger beards. I think it's great. Oh, Oh, yeah. I mean, coming from a ginger. Yeah. I'm a ginger, and I very much was like, oh, I had no idea. We had a ginger listener. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Love it. There's bound to be a few. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to focus on a couple of things with Jeff's story. But I want to know, Jeff, were you born into the church? Were you born into the covenant? Oh, sorry. That's the correct term. <laughs> I was born in the covenant. Um <gasps> I grew up in Spanish Fork, 
Oh, okay. Yeah, you know where that is. Um, Close to Springville, is that right? And yeah, just south of Springville. My my uh, dad's family has a ton of people in Springville. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, but grew up in Spanish Fork. Pretty much everyone I knew was was a member. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I turned eight, you know, I was... Oh, time to get baptized. Okay, whatever. Dunk. Yep. Yeah. It's like, oh, big, big deal. They made the choice to get baptized. But truly, when you're in that environment where everyone around you gets baptized at eight, it, I would argue that it's not really a choice. No. You just do it, right? <laughs> it almost feels like a cultural norm rather Definitely. than an actual choice. Yeah, it's yeah, almost like a rite of passage. Yeah. And especially, I mean, again, maybe I'm speaking out of my ass, but from experience of living in Utah, I seem like when you had a baptism at eight, it was like a full-blown event, like a party after or like the day before or whatever. It was like a huge event. Okay. So, so like as a kid, you're not going to be like, oh, I don't want to be the only one who doesn't get to have a cool baptism party. And you get presents. Yeah. Oh, you get presents? No, I got, when I was, when I... When I turned eight, I got a journal and a tie, which I never wore. <laughs> I think something else, but that, yeah. You that know kind of- what? I remember that triggered a memory for me. I got, of course, I got a new dress and I got a journal as well. And I got like my own, um, my personalized scriptures with like my own special fancy scripture oh, yeah. case. It was like had flowers all over it. I got ah. Did it have a name on it? It had my name on it, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I don't I don't remember if I had any presents. I, I don't because it's really not as big of a deal of where I was from. Not that I remember, but maybe I got a like CTR ring. Oh, that's so like <laughs> Yeah, I was that a is. basic bitch. I was the, the kid that was like, Oh, I got a CTR ring, that's it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you got baptized like everyone else in um, Spanish Fork. And then did you, as you were growing up, like, you know, through your teenage years and all of that, were you uh, like a very much a believer? You know, I at some points I was. Um, when I met my ex-wife, and hooray, this is where she starts to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really, but... She is. Who? She is to work, and <laughs> her entire family. You know, they go clear back to J Dog. Oh, do they? Oh, oh my! Yeah. Whoa! Like a direct descendant. <gasps> she's um, she's part of the Johnson line, which is oh. you know, one of the big families. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Names. It's like Mormon royalty, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so her attitude, and I believe I remember, well, I don't believe, I know I remember her saying that things like, you're not a man till you go on a mission and things like that. So me as a kind of somewhat, not really, but I kind of am believer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I like this girl, so I guess I have to go on a mission. So I 
started going to church again. I was like, who the fuck are Lamanites? (laughs) (laughs) Right? You're just like, wait, this is what I believe? But I want to say something here. Like, this, I think, is a really great point that isn't talked about enough, how a lot of Mormon women can manipulate Mormon men into going on a mission because it's like Mm -hmm. what's expected and they won't date a man otherwise. And so it very much is like, even if you don't personally want to go or believe or whatever, you're Mm -hmm. kind of forced into it. If you want to be accepted slash loved or whatever by the, by a Mormon woman. And it's, it's messed up, honestly. And also like, (laughs) how old were you when this is happening? Because it sounds like you were in your teens, right? Yeah. I met her in seventh grade. So I was like 13, 14. Oh, I was, that's even worse. Yeah. Yeah, I was picturing you at like 18, but oh, geez. Okay. Yep. I agree with you. Piece of work. Yep. But also just think about like, like your ex-wife being in seventh grade and already having that mentality of like, oh, you like me? Well, in order for you to be a man who, okay, first of all, that's super problematic, but you have to go on a mission. Like, it's just crazy to think how far the brainwashing goes back at that age, you're already Mm -hmm. thinking that that's what you're supposed to do. Whereas other 12 and 13 year olds are like farting around playing PlayStation and going through (laughs) puberty, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think it also has to do with the fact that it comes from the top. Mm -hmm. Like, what was it? I can't remember. It was fairly recently. Someone said that uh, you don't pray to go on a mission because you just go. It's kind of what you do. I'm paraphrasing, but oh. something like that. Did you hear that? Yes, I um that sounds really familiar. I don't know if it was from like a general conference, but I do know that recently in these conferences, they've been really pushing, especially the youth, like the the young men into just like you are going on a mission. Like they're really hammering it in because I think they're losing a lot of their youth. Um I'm, yeah. like people are leaving the church. So anyway, yeah, definitely. It's like like you said, it's not just that the women are deciding this. They're being told it from on high. And so then they repeat it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. From good old Rusty. Oh, oh Mr. Burns. Oh, Mr. Burns. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I was watching The Simpsons last night. So, yeah, I'm I'm in the yellow skin mode. <laughs> <laughs> not jaundice, but something different. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, I was 13, 14 when I met and decided I wanted to, you know, at least date this this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a couple years after I discovered boobs. Oh. oh. <laughs> As a teenage boy guess what one thing i well two things i really like are um boobs Boobs. (laughs) uh, left and right (laughs) both of them (laughs) right um so throughout high school um i would well middle school and high school i would you know you look at porn once in a while and Oh, I would um, enjoy. Uh, I would work the joystick, as it were. <laughs> as I am, I as probably what ninety nine percent of young people do. 
So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not not to throw shade at people who don't like it, but you know what? It's a majority thing. Yeah, but That's in the like church, it. you're told that it's like you're you're wrong and dirty and sinful, and you're right. you're the outlier if you do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at this point, my mom was, you know, pretty a pretty strong believer. And so because of that, you know, I had to hide it. She found it a few times and I was absolutely terrified because mom found my porn. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say like, that's, I feel like that's so, so terrifying as a youth of any kind, but then especially religious and, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So scary. How did she like confront you about it? Or was it one of those things where you just both knew, but didn't talk about it? Um, honestly, I can't really remember, probably because of a trauma response. I'm yeah. probably just too terrified to think about it. But I will say that this was in the era of dial-up. So that stuff took me a long time to get. <laughs> yeah, don't work for it. <laughs> I applaud you. It, it took determination. Yes, definitely. Oh. And that's even harder to hide because if someone walks in the room, it takes forever to close down a page. It's like pixel by pixel slowly <laughs> shutting <Yeah>. down. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know what dial-up is, <laughs> it's what old people use to yell at each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. lesson, Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, I did put in my papers. I was called on a mission to uh, Sapporo, Japan, which I was psyched about. I Very cool. Japanese. Right? That's I think, so cool. And I think Spanish Fork is one of the only schools that still has a Japanese program. I could be wrong. Wow, that's, oh, that's uh, very cool. But, yeah. no, here's... I um I started to have some uh, mental issues in the MTC. Uh, depression and anxiety were really really bad because the MTC is a pressure cooker. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I I didn't eat for about a week. Oh my right? god. Eat very little for about a week. Um. I couldn't really get out of bed and all these things. They sent me to the psychologist or psychiatrist rather. They're like, what is it? A block away from the MTC. Mm-hmm. And um, I was diagnosed there. They threw meds at me, but excuse me. It um, wasn't super effective. And I had to come home after about eight weeks in the MTC. Oh, man, that's really tough. Like, it's completely understandable, but I think, you know, obviously with the, the stigma around, like, oh, if you go home early, it's like you, you aren't strong enough. You were, you know, too weak to to finish your mission. Right. And this was in 2006, so there wasn't a community of people. There wasn't a whole lot of community for people who had come off their missions early. Mm-hmm. Um which which made it really hard and also this was the baby days of facebook 
So I had a few friends, mostly college. Um, and a lot of them stopped talking to me after that. Oh, my God. That's, you know, it's just so it's so fucked up. And also, I just I want to point out to our listeners who have never been Mormon or who might not live in in Utah. The MTC, the Missionary Training Center, is is so intense. It's where these missionaries, they're they're 18 or 19 years old and they're thrown in there completely secluded from their family and friends and stripped of their identity, really. And you have this strict schedule and you have to learn all this new stuff. And then, yeah, they don't. I just feel like it's like you said, Jeff, it is a pressure cooker and mm-hmm. things are, are bound to happen. And then there's no like I just I feel so bad for for these kids. And then in situations like yours where it's better for you not to be there and yet you lose friends over it. I yeah. uh, it it upsets me very much. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So came home, got married within I was 19, so it was within about a year oh, of wow. uh, coming back. Did you get married in the temple? Uh-huh, in Manti. Manti wow. Temple, okay. I've been there. I mean, not in it, but I've sat outside it while right. other people got married in it. <laughs> <laughs> you also, like, not, not to jump back, if this is a sensitive topic or whatever, but, like, how... When you came home from your mission, like, how did your girlfriend at the time respond? Not significantly, which was weird to me at the time. Um, She, and I don't know how long it's taken, but she has backpedaled a lot and said things like, Oh, you you served a mission. You just had to come home. All all of these things to kind of soften the attitude she had shown. Mm, okay. So it was like, oh yeah, you're an exception to to you're not a mentally go on your mission. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yep. Um, about eight months after we got married, um. She found porn on my computer, mm-hmm. and uh, and she sent me a message while I was at work. Oh God! Okay. Oh boy! Okay. And I, yeah, I almost pissed myself while I was when I read that, and um, I went home, and she freaked out. She tore up one of my books. She Aww. took away all of the uh, power cords in the apartment. <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh, my God. And mind you, I was going to school at the time, so I needed my computer. Yeah. Oh, also, geez. you're a full-ass adult. Like, she's treating it as if you're a child, like, punishing oh, you gets, or something. It gets worse. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> um. And besides those those things, she wouldn't like get dressed in front of me. What? I don't know. And I think it was just that whole sexual shame of or that shame rather of me thinking sexual things. Mm. Um, huh. And it was about that time that she said, Okay, 
you're a porn addict. You have to go to 12-step meetings. This is just outrageous. She she found porn once on your computer and then diagnosed you as an addict? Yes, because apparently Mormon women are also psychologists. (laughs) I wish I would have known that back when I was a Mormon. (laughs) But like... But also, can I just, and again, if this is too personal, you don't have to, but I think it's a good point to establish that a lot of listeners may not know is that, you know, in in the Mormon church, it's very much like pornography is evil, it's horrible, and they always equate it to if your partner watches or does anything that is connected to pornography, then they must not be as committed in the relationship on an emotional, physical, or mental level. Like it affects your relationship negatively is always the the thing that they tell you. So do you think in your opinion that it did? Because I imagine it didn't, but just to like clarify, because it sounds like she just found it and was like, oh, now there's a problem in our marriage. Right. Everything up to that point was just fine. She found okay. that everything was wrong. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Good point. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes, thank you, Sarah. (laughs) And for the next 13 years, that was the dynamic in the house. Oh, my God. 13 years. Wow. I can't believe you put up with that. (laughs) Like, I just... (laughs) Wow. That's that's the thing. When, When you're in a situation like that, and I try not to use the word abuse too, you know, too freely. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a relationship where the power dynamic is so skewed, you don't think about, you know, what is going to be good for me? Mm-hmm. Should I stay in this? But at that point, we had had two kids. And so I felt like I was locked into the into the relationship. Yeah. All right. Yep. And I mean, I mean, of course, I don't know how you were feeling, but I can just only imagine like myself in that situation where you're being told by your church that porn is evil and then your Mm -hmm. wife is telling you that. And so it's almost like conditioning you to think that you're what's wrong, even though you're you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Um Starting in about 2014, I was consistently suicidal um, up until 2020 when I left. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Sorry. That's just, it makes me so angry that this institution, this, you know, organization that calls itself like uh, a religion that's meant to help people and to bring them up and uplift them and stuff like that. It's the exact opposite. And it just infuriates me that people still defend it. Like you shouldn't have to feel that way and go through six years of that. 13 years or 13, but six years of feeling suicidal. Oh, right, 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 right. right, Hashtag math is not my strength. So I don't know. You you did it better than me. (laughs) I can't do numbers either. (laughs) I don't do it. Um, But yeah, the fact that you even had to go through that in the first place is just absolutely ridiculous. And it it just kills me at how hypocritical people are in the church and leaders that are like, the church has only done positive, good things. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. Oh, And we do talk a lot on this show. This is making me realize 
we talk a lot about how the church hurts women and how the church hurts people of color and how the church hurts the LGBTQ community. We don't talk much about how the church hurts men. And I'm like really, I don't know, I'm I'm having a lot of emotions right now for you, Jeff, because the church hurts everyone. And mm-hmm. you don't have to be in those groups that a lot of times we really focus on. You can you don't even know. You could just be like a normal dude you think is just attending church and might appear just fine. And you do not know what he's struggling with because of the teachings of the church. And that's really important to remember. So thank you for bringing that up. And I think if you broaden it out too, the people that hold those opinions are also victims of the system because they can't see what the damage is that they're doing. Yeah. Like, think about um, the people that um, essentially drive LGBTQ kids to suicide because of their dogmatic belief. Right. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Uh, It's heartbreaking. So did you actually go to the porn addict? A-D-A-A? I don't know what what is, what is it called. Porn Addict. It's called ARP, the Addiction Recovery Program. And for that one in particular, it's called PASSAGE, P-A-S-G, Porn and Sex Addiction Recovery, or uh, group, rather. Okay. Ooh, um, so how are you saying it sounds like you definitely attended? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, from 2014 to 2020. Oh my Jesus, God. so she made you go for six years. Yep, every Thursday night at the uh, seminary building on Provo, oh. well, the old Provo High Campus. Oh my God, I'm, oh no, I just had like a visceral reaction to that. So this is maybe a naive question, but was it like led by church members or was it like actual specialists who were in there leading these classes? You know better than that. I know. <laughs> as soon as you said seminary building, I'm just like, okay. So it's like a random ward member that's been called to do this. Oh, it's worse. Oh, shit. It's the senior oh. missionaries. That, were- <gasps> that is way worse. Yeah. Stop. It's uh, it's done through the... I have my book right here. <laughs> oh, my God. If My jaw is on the floor right now. Pick it okay. up. Pick it up. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's done through the LDS Family Services, and um, I mean, okay. Now let me clarify something. Addiction is a real thing. Yes. Addiction is a disease, and people need help to yeah. get over it. But if there's no real issue there then doing something like this will only be destructive, I think. Oh, 100%. Yeah. um, So, yeah, I think that had a lot to do with my mental state at the time. But again, I, I felt like I was locked into the relationship because I had two kids. Um, at that point, I've had... You know, we had two more after that, but um, so okay. So you would go to these every week, and would they? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, like you said, I I agree that addiction is real, 
um, particularly with substances. But I, I'm I'm struggling here with senior missionaries mm-hmm. conducting these classes and also to take it a step further. So you're not getting actual real help from a professional. Secondly, it's like a sex addiction program where you did not struggle with sex addiction and yet you're being forced into these classes. Now, so would they teach things like in the terms, I'm sure, of, you know, like scripture and and religious teachings to try to somehow, quote unquote, help you recover from sex addiction? Is that like the angle? They did. And what they did is they took the 12-step program, the AA started, and they added Mormon doctrine philosophy into it. Okay. So, I mean, mean, the steps are things like, you know, admit that you of yourself are powerless to overcome your addictions, that your life has become unmanageable. Um, Humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. And things like that. Uh, how would you feel after you would go to these meetings? Mormon brain, I think, thought it was a good thing, but I just kind of felt like shit afterward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like it felt like, oh, I'm talking to people. I'm, you know, getting myself out there. I'm uh, holding myself accountable. Things like that. Right. But, but at the same it- time, it was. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it just in reality, it's like, yeah, you're you're thinking you're holding yourself accountable. But I feel like because of the Mormon church um, and that's teachings, your ex-wife was creating a problem that wasn't actually there yeah. and um, making it worse for you. Yeah. And they also had a um, a group, a spouse support group. Uh-huh. that ran at the same time so we would go to the building together i would go in one room she would go in another she was a facilitator in that group so she was oh. like you know second to the the old ladies uh, oh my <laughs> god wait so were there other people in your class with you or was it just you oh, oh no there were i think one time i counted about 50 people oh my <gasps> word that's a lot these Mormon women are on a roll. They are not having it. Right. Oh, my God. And also, I just want to clarify for our listeners who didn't grow up Mormon. When we say senior missionaries, we don't mean like 22-year-olds instead of 9 or 18 to 20. We're talking about like the people who all the ones I can think of right now off the top of my head had gray hair and were like in their 70s. So... They're like people who are at retirement age who decide they want to go on a mission with their spouse. And so they're older and Mm -hmm. usually, yeah. I just can't even imagine that class. And oh my, I'm just, I'm still trying to process that. Ah, wow. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, So you did this for six years. Like you went to these classes every Thursday for six years. Yeah, yeah. And That's so much time. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's it's a lot of time. And did you ever feel like, you know, during this time you felt the pressure obviously from your wife, but also that if you ever, you know, quote unquote slipped up and looked at porn, like I'm sure that also really played into your mm-hmm. mental health at that time. Oh yeah. Um 
at that point I was I was using porn more than I actually am now because it was the only real coping mechanism that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, was it the healthiest coping mechanism? Probably not. But um, I find that fascinating. I think that that says a lot about it's like there's some supposed problem that kind of was nothing and then it is made into this big deal. And then that fed into perhaps you looking at porn more. I think that's really interesting. And I I can see how like the shame and guilt cycle would just perpetuate that when you're going through all of those feelings. Right. And I, I wonder if it's kind of that thing where it's because you're focusing on it, you're fixating on it, you become more okay. likely to, to continue on with it, whatever it is. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what made, I guess, I don't, if, what, after these six years, what caused you to stop attending? Um, <clears throat> well, the plague. <laughs> Yeah. That had a lot to do with it. Although they were still doing meetings, um, just like um, what are what is it like a go to meeting kind of thing? Mm-hmm. It was over the phone, you know, when no one would see you. And at that point, I had kind of checked out. I had the the uh, meeting on on my phone, but I didn't really pay any attention to it. Mm-hmm. So hurry for me. Yeah, I mean that's a step. <laughs> I think that's like so interesting that, I mean, you're one of several people who told us that their biggest push to leave the church or to question the church more was the pandemic because you're, you're not in the setting and you're not fully immersed in this like cult and brainwashing. So you start, I think you just have more time to really think like, huh, is, is this what I want? Like, you know, and for your situation, like those meetings, like, is this actually beneficial? Do I have an issue where this would be validated that I need to go to these types of meetings or programs? And then you have the time and the space to realize, actually, no, this isn't right. Right. And I had kind of been PMO for a long time. Um, you know, I would, I was one of the bad guys who, when uh, Sunday school was over and priesthood was going to start, I would go to Maverick and get a drink or <laughs> Scandal. Oh, Maverick. I know this is in the middle of Provo. Oh, my God. Maverick is like the best Utah gas station. I will. (laughs) It really is. Yes. They have have Guinness there, so I'm good. Oh, nice. Yeah, Guinness. (laughs) Uh, So, okay. So, yeah, you were physically in, mentally out for a long time. COVID (laughs) happened. And um, did that. So I guess did that push like your entire exit of the church like or was it was it kind of gradual or how did that go? That was kind of like when I stopped caring about you know about the church and things like that. Um we had our youngest um during the pandemic. Oh, as we record it's 2 days away from now she'll be 2. Oh, happy birthday. Oh. Oh, she's a sweetie. Oh. Um, but uh, it wasn't until September when I had to call the 
the suicide prevention hotline again. It was probably the tenth time in a year. Um, that something started tickling in the back of my brain and said, you know, could this possibly be, again, I don't want to use the A word, could it possibly be undue influence? Mm. To borrow a, a Dylanism. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, it didn't, it wasn't comfortable at the time to think about that. Well, it really still isn't. But, um, you know, I did some poking around, did some Google Foo to um, to find out, you know, kind of what that entailed. You know, what were the signs to look for? And um, eventually I called the domestic violence hotline repeatedly. And it was always the same that, yes, this is the situation. And that... Um, and I, I tried calling, like I said, several times because I wanted to approach it from a different angle. I wanted to say it a different way because I didn't want to believe it. Um, and like I said, I think the church does this to people where they get so focused on something that they need that a person feels like they need to fix it in order to solve all the problems they have yeah um i was convinced for the longest time that i make a single mistake and she would have me out on the street i wouldn't see my kids again um which Okay, so remember a little bit earlier, I talked about people that would come to the uh, addiction recovery meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, instead of having a sponsor, quote, sponsor like you have in AA, you have a support person. Okay. And I talked to this guy. Fuck you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Fuck you, Dave. <laughs> he, um,. A few months after the divorce was finalized, he told my wife things that I had not said when I read him my inventory as part of step five. Um, so she filed a restraining order against me, and I only had supervised visits with my kids for the time being. Oh, my God. What? I was the sta- so I was the stay-at-home dad from 2015 to 2020. Oh. Everything was fine during that time, despite me still using porn and all these things. But as soon as I'm out of the house, you know, everything goes to hell and, you know, you're not a fit parent anymore. And I really feel like it's because of this focus on, not necessarily focus on, but this attitude of this constitutes an addiction, even though it doesn't that leads to this kind of mentality like you're not a fit parent because you look at porn because wow. you drink because you do this or that or the other I'm um I'm like actually like crying right now I, Sorry I um no no it's um this is a big problem and I think that like 
like you said, I mean, we know how gossip works in the church and how everyone talks behind their back. And it can create problems that are like, I mean, this is life changing. This is this is devastating that someone can have that control over your life because of what the church teaches about, quote unquote, addiction or you have a beer every now and then. So apparently you must be an unfit parent. Like, I'm sorry. What the fuck? I, 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 oh, wow. To me, it's like, okay, I could deal with it. But the kids are going to remember this forever. Yep. The oldest is 11. It it, it goes beyond you and your wife. It's the kids, you know, like that's the most fucked up part. Yeah, they're 11, 9, 4, and almost 2. And, um, well, the two-year-old probably won't, but all of the rest of them will, all the rest of them will remember this for the rest of their lives. And, and it's because she thinks I have an addiction. Uh, and there's, you know, not to add, like, salt to the wound or, you know, put these thoughts in your head, but, like, the first thing that comes to mind, and I, I don't know if it's true or not, is, you know, it makes me think of family situations that I've been a part of where the other side puts these thoughts into the kids' heads, you know? Like, they say things on purpose, they do things on purpose that are just devastating and they're not true, and it has a really big influence on the kids. Like, and, you know... When I think about my memories as kids, it's crazy when you're an actual, you know, in your 30s and later, you realize that some of the memories you had weren't that accurate because of how someone portrayed them. And it's one of those moments where it's like you don't want to wait until you're in your 30s to realize that those memories were altered based off of what an adult told you at that time, an adult who you're supposed to trust and they're telling you something about a really close loved one that's not actually true. Right. And, I mean, I really don't think, I mean, they're very, very smart kids. I really don't think it's going to take them that long. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm 35, and I only figured it out a little while ago. They're smarter than I am. It won't take them long. Good. Good. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, so... That's, um, Uh, I, you know, I'm over here listening to this and I'm just thinking about all of the Mormons and the the Mormon teachings and the Mormon missionaries that kind of try to interact with us. And they say like, the church is just about loving one another. The church is about families. The church is about accepting and, you know, being tolerant. And then we hear things like, like you're what's happening to you. And I'm just like, Hello, Mormon Church. Do you not see how your church really actually rips families apart versus keeping Mm -hmm. them together? The only way you stay together as a family is if every person does every single thing the Mormon Church tells you to do. And also, even if you do that, sometimes people just make up shit about you and you have to suffer the consequences. And I, uh, the families can be together forever bullshit is really (laughs) sounding like it's, yeah. Just I, as as I have together forever as long as you don't make mistakes and you pay your Jesus tax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I. Uh, I really hope that your kids, yeah, like you said, they're they'll follow and and they'll they'll realize like 
their mother's in a cult and she's not telling the right, not telling the truth about you because that's just terrible. It's horrible. Sorry. Yeah. The oldest is going on Trek this year. So, um, oh, Trek. Uh, yeah. oh. the, um, weird Mormon cosplay. It is weird Mormon cosplay. We've talked about it a little bit on the, on the show, but listeners, if you've forgotten, that's where the teenagers, they dress up as Mormon pioneers, literal, actual pioneer garb and they walk and walk and walk out in the summer heat for how many days is it i think it's like a week yeah i got i hated it so bad it was so awful i never went aha oh yeah, lucky there i didn't get to participate in that so glad. lucky you guys yeah it's, <laughs> it's not fun <laughs> that's because i didn't grow up in provo katie Oh, right. You were down in that heathen Spanish fork. Uh, so um, have you um, officially like left the church? Have you removed your name from the records? Yes, this situation with the custody battle with the guy, you know, talking to my ex-wife, that's actually the thing that pushed me to do it. Mm. Yeah, uh, I can see why. Yeah, before that, I was willing to keep my name on the records, just... So the kids could be like, oh, dad's still part of the church. He's not going to go to hell and right. we're not be apart for, for all eternity. But after that happens, like, yeah, no, I am out. This, like, like you said, if this is what it means to keep families together forever, or if this is what it means, if this is what it means to be righteous, I don't want to be part of it. Yeah, yeah gotta like make that choice at some point right like what what is actually moral and correct and yeah if this is actually how it is and if this is how god wants to rule things then sorry i'm out i don't i don't want that i'll i'm not gonna worship a god like that nope to borrow a phrase politely fuck right off I believe it was you, Jeff, who you tagged us on Instagram when we we sent out that sticker. And because <laughs> um, uh, listeners, we have a sticker for our patrons that says Sarah designed it. Actually, it's lovely. It says politely fuck right off, and it just comes in like this envelope because um, Patreon sends it out for us. And Jeff was like, "Imagine my surprise to just open this, <laughs> just like this colorful sticker." Just like he's like, "Who's telling me to fuck off?" <laughs> It's on the back of my computer now. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, not getting it with context. I mean, just imagine opening it up and being like, what the fuck? Who's telling me this? So rude. <laughs> and why is it such pretty colors? But they want me to fuck <laughs> off? Hello? <laughs> well, I had the logo there, so it only took me a second and a half to, to figure out what was going on. Yeah. I was like, oh, um, they're telling me to fuck off. <laughs> Or we're telling um, CJ up there and J-Dog and everyone else, and especially now Dave. Dave, you Dave. can fuck right Yeah. Fucking yeah. Dave. He knows who he is. He knows what he did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how can you live with yourself after you do something like that? And then they think that they're the quote-unquote righteous ones. Well, he's, he thinks that he's doing what he's supposed to be. He's the Peter Priesthood who's using his judgment accordingly and is, you know, doing what's best for the kids and your ex-wife when it's like fuck off is none of your business first of all you're not qualified and 
you were supposed to be like his support. He was supposed to be your support system. Like so ridiculous. Yeah. There's so many levels of fucked up to that. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I know Jeff, we could probably talk about this for hours, um, <laughs> but we'll probably wrap up. I don't know if there's anything important that you wanted to touch on before we sign off. Probably just that missionaries are not therapists. Don't let your spouse choose who your therapist is. Don't let them go in and tell the therapist on the first session that you have an addiction. Those are the three main takeaways, I think, from my experience. Wow. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I am just so appreciative of you being vulnerable and like telling your story, but also it's just something that Katie and I, we don't have the perspective on. And we have a lot of listeners who are men and I'm sure who have gone through, if not the same situation, something similar, especially in thought processes. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story because I'm sure it's going to really help a lot of our listeners just feel like they're not alone and that they've gone through something similar and that you, you know, you and hopefully them will be able to come out in a better place. Yeah. I hope so. Wow. Uh, Well, thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, we, we just really appreciate you. And thank you to all of you amazing listeners. Um, Yes. We will be back next week with some more. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye.